Welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics and government are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things are going. Today is May 13th, 2021, and this is episode 38. I'm your co-host, Pete. With me, as always, is my good friend, Howell. Hey, man. I'm giving you a dramatic pause there because I I want... I want you to insert the master's theme song music um, tomorrow. <laughs> when you I edit ha- this, I have been thinking about things I can add in before we play the intro music, like a clip of something that's just random. And there's a line I, from I don't. Do you remember that movie Role Models with uh, Sean William Scott and uh, Paul Rudd? And they've got the they're uh, they they vaguely. Uh, they couldn't tell you what it's like about. a car and their their court their like their their sentences but from the court is to like participate as like uh big brothers in a big brother program and sean william scott gets the foul mouth black kid who accuses him of racism and like child sex abuse and all this the whole time it's really funny i want to put that kid a clip of that kid in. It's really funny. He's well like, what? what do you mean you want to ha- want to touch my hang dang <laughs> and then start the intro music that sounds like a forgettable Late '90s movie. I think there I'm ever gonna, was one. I think I'm going to edit that out. Anyway, uh, well, we're playing golf tomorrow. We are. So it's about. 10. I think you need to have that master's music in there. So let's make sure that gets in there. They'll do it. Um, this will be weird when you edit the master's music in, and then we leave this in. So <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to playing golf with you tomorrow, Pete. I am too. I'm looking forward to Bloody Marys. And uh, are you going to get there in time to have some of the uh, the breakfast buffet? Oh, I didn't realize that was yeah. they they opened that up. Is that safe with yeah. COVID? Well, I you guess can't. We're you can't get, so. You can't serve yourself. They serve you like uh, eggs and okay. shit. Uh, so I'm going to get right. there like I don't know, ten to eight. We're teeing off at eight thirty. Just have like a little bit, of, a couple of eggs, and go hit some balls real quick. Sounds great. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I'm also excited. That Ryan Mayo's here again tonight. Oh my God, Ryan! Hello. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Is this thing on? <laughs> Ryan, if you some of you may recall, was a guest about a year ago, and Pete and I um, were thinking we are still, as we mentioned last time, we're still working, efforting to to have our immigration podcast. Um, mm-hmm. It just hasn't come to fruition yet. So we were thinking, what could we do? And we were texting with Ryan the other day, and we thought, let's let's have him on and do like a a catch up pod. And you know, it was about so a I'm year the ago. B team co- now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way. It, in a way, in a way, yes. <laughs> in a way, you're the A team. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I'm, I'm stalling. I'm just stalling here, Pete. You will. He's um, more famous for being the the owner uh, of Last Exit Goods for all your leather good needs. Um, please go to lastexitgoods.com and uh, visit his <laughs> site and buy some stuff. Um, but also Thanks, been a friend of ours for decades now, and uh, we always have spirited text exchanges. So th- th- it was sort of natural that we should have him back and talk about how things are going and, and steamboat and the state of Colorado and all that good stuff. And also we were texting about, I believe we were texting about the Cheney stuff, right? And right. That's, right, Ryan? We yeah. Were texting about that. So we thought, Hey, no, people get tired of hearing what we're going to talk about. So let's get a third, third party in here and get a little, little fun stuff to talk about. So that's going to be the topic later we'll talk about, but um, welcome back. 
Thanks. It's always it's always fun to see you guys. And actually, this time we have a video. Last time we were we were just audio, so mm -hmm. it's a new little fun feature. Although that's the next evolution of this podcast, I assume, is turning it into a YouTube channel or something <laughs> so that everybody can <laughs> watch all the shenanigans. A lot of Pearl Jam posters behind all of yes. us. Yes. <laughs> We we um, lead the YouTube in Pearl Jam posters per capita per yeah. host. Yeah, I, I did a sure. I did a, a Zoom call with uh, for work with Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan uh, not too long ago, and she I didn't blur out my background, and she at the end of the call she's like, "Now, Peter, I just have to ask you, how many times have you seen Pearl Jam?" And <laughs> I we had this short conversation. She goes, "Well, my husband is more of a Nirvana guy." I was like, "What the hell's Nirvana? Nirvana?" She's like, "But I'm definitely a Pearl Jam girl." I was like, "Oh, great." I was like. Nice. That, I, I liked I liked the governor until that moment. You just <laughs> yeah. Did, you just told she, me that. did she just watch that? What was that video where like it was like a in blue? Is it in blue? Yeah. They there's yeah. like they feigned like they were on like the Dick Cavett Ed or Sullivan Ed Sullivan Ed show. Yeah. And they're like Nirvana. <laughs> Here they are, the boys from Nirvana. <laughs> so I hope uh, the Republicans don't use that as oppo against her that she pronounces it Nirvana. But whatever. The Republicans in Michigan have much bigger problems than. And that we'll see. Anyway, I'm just excited. I was trying to remember a minute ago when we were talking about this, like who there was like David Letterman used to have um, like when when a guest would fall through, he would call like I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Amy Sedaris. She was like always in town and that and she, so they would just be like, hey, Amy, come on down. And and so she would, she would just be like the fill in guest uh, on Letterman. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm honored you're, to you're taking that, was, that role. I don't know. Well, just, you know, well, you guys are obviously Letterman, so. Well, it, it's better than, did you hear, I assume you heard the episode with Quinn, oh, um, yeah. where he mentioned Trump used to be like Larry King's kind of like one of his go-tos <laughs> when people would fall through. Oh, that's right. So that's funny. I, we, could I call you our, we could call you our Trump. Okay, thank you. Yeah, just I here have, for the ratings. I have some fun Trump stories. When I used to work in New York, like the beginning of my career in magazines, and we used to hold, um, host like... I worked for L magazine and premier magazine, which was the movie magazine. So we'd have a lot of these like, um, parties for any variety of reasons. And so my job as like a 22 year old, um, publicity, like associate manager or whatever was to like build the guest list for all these parties. And in New York, you'd have all these like famous party crashers. Uh, and a lot of the party crashers would be like, just like ne'er-do-wells that would just all you, you know them by face. And so you'd always have to kick them out. But Donald Trump would always show up to all of our parties without fail. It was like him and uh, and Paris Hilton would always show up without fail every single time. Just complete publicity horrors. Not surprisingly, little did we know 30 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The United States. Crashing our party. <laughs> you could have just taken care of him for us back then. Like, just, like Hitler's yeah. if you could kill Hitler's baby type thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. how meta yeah i don't know That's... yeah all right should we uh should we move along here and yeah, let's get into it yeah um well i think one of the things we wanted to do was you know last time we had john ryan as he pours himself a little buffalo trace um we kind of wanted to get your it was the beginning of covid uh i think things that we probably were like two weeks into sort of a shutdown of, of somewhat like the NCAA tournament had been shut down. Right. Right. Um, 
and I think schools were starting to shut down. So it was starting to get real, but I don't think any of us knew what was going to happen really over the next year. Um, <clears throat> but we kind of asked your perspective of as a Colorado resident and small business owner and, you know, what you were thinking. And I think maybe we'd like to, you know, kind of get your perspective from, you know, how Colorado's been faring over this last year. Um, you know, I was looking at the numbers uh, uh, of like deaths per million. Um, I'm, I'm a regular visitor to Worldometers um, on their, their COVID site. And I think the U.S. average is like 1,800 deaths, somewhere around there per million, uh, or maybe it's per 100,000. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But Colorado is significantly below that. They're at like 1,200. So, you know, um, it seems, and I drove through Colorado on my way back from Utah over the winter, and it seems like Colorado has done a pretty good job with uh, COVID. Um, is that true? And and why do you think that might be? I think so. Um, Governor Jared Polis, he, he's, I think, done a pretty good job, um, you know, all things considered. I haven't really followed the statistics all that closely i mean yeah i mean thinking back to a year or whatever it was last april when we when i was on last time and talked about just kind of the state of it, it all felt like we were looking into a crystal ball and trying to predict what the next you know three six nine months were going to be like and you know now a year into it it's like wow like we've come we've come a long way in so many ways and and we've still got a ways to go obviously um you know i think for the most part our vaccination levels are really pretty good. We've most of the larger counties in, in the state have moved or are in the like process of moving towards um, kind of away from restrictions at all. Um, I don't know. You know, I've heard all these people talk about like, Oh, if you're vaccinated or if you like you're, you run a restaurant and you have 80% of your patrons vaccinated, then you don't have to have masks. And it's just like, well, are people going to have to bring their like, Right. vaccine card to, to like confirm the reservation or something. So that all seems really strange to me, but um, I would say just to answer your question, I mean, all told, I think people have just kind of mind their P's and Q's for the most part. I mean, I live in, again, a rural community, really small. Um, people are pretty spread out. I mean, even back uh, going back a year ago, people kind of just, I mean, with the exception of schools, which are obviously shut down and, um, you know, people started playing golf a lot. People were, were mountain biking and hiking and fishing and being all outside. I mean, our summertime um, tourism was nuts, man. I mean, like we just I mean, I don't have the statistics, but just from a, an anecdotal standpoint, driving downtown and looking around at like our shops and at the grocery stores and like you go to the liquor store and they're cleaned out of like you know, hard seltzer. <laughs> and it's like, OK, people are here. They're camping. They're they're they're, you know, utilizing our, our public spaces and, and having a, you know, trying to do what they can. Um, so all told, I mean, I think a lot of the, the fear this year was as we're a resort town and dependent on, especially the ski community, the, the ski economy, um, whether or not we could get through the season, we cut our season short last year in 2020, um, the last like six weeks, which unfortunately for us was like, one of the bigger surge, you know, surge periods for us, like spring break. So we get tons and tons of people coming in 
And then, um, so yeah, they put into place, um, you know, I, I would say restrictions, but they weren't like overt, you know, totally over the top. Um, you know, you had to wear a mask in the lift lines and, yeah. um, they reduced capacities, um, on like the gondola really is the only chairlift that was not open air. Um, but other than that, I mean, we survived the season. I mean, it was cool. Like th- some of the ski patrol would come and do like, there's a gondola squares where you kind of wait in the maze for our, our main gondola that moves the most people out onto the mountain, like early in the morning. And they would have like this ski patrol guy, um, who's from Alabama and he has this like really cool accent and he was just running shtick on like on the, the adjacent stage. And I liked the way he was doing it. He was basically saying like, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you for wearing your mask. We know it's a pain, but you're helping us, uh, all keep our jobs and all of us continuing to ski and ride this whole season. And if we can stay open, then we all get to have jobs and we all get to have fun and do the best we can. It's not ideal, but this is the best we're doing. And thank you for obliging because we get a lot of Texans and Californians and, you know, I, you know, I would see varying degrees of compliance out there, um, on the mountain and stuff. And I'm sure, I know you spent some time out in Utah, so I'm sure you have your perspective on that too, but you know, to, to, for that to be behind us is pretty cool. Like, um, that made such a difference in our economy, obviously. And, um, you know, for, for us to be able to get through that, I think is a big win. Um, I don't think there was any ski resort that I even heard of that even shut down all that much. Like they have like little outbreaks of staff or this and that, that might impair certain aspects of things, but never shut, shut it down to like everybody to tell them to go home or whatever. So Colorado is a pretty healthy state. I would imagine. I think it, yeah, I think it ranks up there. Yeah. Do you know what, what like population wise, like, is it younger? Does it skew younger than like some states, like maybe Southern states or? That's a good question. Know? I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the statistics off the top I, of my head, but yeah, I would say, I, I would say, I would say, yeah. I mean, the, the vast majority of the state's population lives in Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins and Colorado Springs. And then the rest of the cities around the state, and that's all concentrated within like along I-25, basically within a hundred miles. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so that's the vast majority of the state, probably like 75, 80%. And then the va- the rest is like rural, you know, to the east we have, we're basically Kansas east of, um, east of Denver is just the plains. Um, yeah. It's just nothingness. And then to the west, you have the mountain communities and they're all very small. So, yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about a healthy community, a younger community, uh, a largely outdoors driven um, entertainment scene and activity scene combined with being somewhat socially responsible, you know, that's probably about the best case scenario you can think of for COVID in Utah. They weren't necessarily socially responsible, but they're extremely healthy and young. And so they had a ton of cases, but they didn't have a lot of deaths. So, um, you know, it's well, all interesting that kind to, of, to we all f- compare and contrast in, them with Colorado. Yeah. And, but everything kind of flies in the face of some of like trying to find some sort of correlation with, yeah. with that stuff. When you look yeah. at like Florida or like even Texas, mm-hmm. right. It was like, boy, they, they told every, get, give everybody double birds and told everybody to, you know, 
go f themselves we're gonna operate like we're florida you know and still they their numbers were never really off the charts either i don't particularly think of that state as uh incredibly healthy or a population yeah um takes all that great care i mean they have an aging population like all south florida is like but it is warm all year round yeah so there's a factor yeah Probably. I mean, if so, here's the numbers. You, Colorado, is 43rd out of 50 states in deaths per million at 1,138. Utah was only 703. Of course, they have about half as many people. As so 43rd, Colorado. meaning like we're seventh from the worst, or we're seventh seventh from, from the best. best. Yeah. Oh, so wow. like, yeah, and um, Utah was number one out of curiosity. Well, here or or the best, the best. Oh, the best. Yeah. Um, what would you guess? What was fiftieth? Um, I don't know, Hawaii maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Hawaii, Vermont, Alaska. You know the the outside or very spaced out, right? Or very sparsely, sparsely populated. populated. Yeah, like Wyoming. I'm sure it was up there too. Yeah, they were thirty eighth. Yeah. Um. Of course, they probably had some outbreaks from the Sturgis rally, people coming back from that. Um, <laughs> That's true. But we, yeah, we get, we get a lot of that. That's in South Dakota. It's not very far from here, all told. But yeah, yeah Wyoming and yeah. Well, it's yeah. when you bring up I, when you bring up Florida because I mean, it yeah, it wasn't that bad. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, "What the hell's happening in Michigan?" Like they had lockdowns a lot more restrictions they were doing their best to get everybody vaccinated and they were just spiking and it seemed like there was no end in sight and it's leveled off now and they've they've got under control but for a while there in march and early april it was like what the hell's going on so there it's some it i don't know it just kind of seems like there's no rhyme or reason yeah there's factors outdoors more healthy population younger weather all that stuff but i don't know well, i mean all that said we, where are you guys on on this now i mean it's like all three of us are, are vaccinated. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, have we gotten to the point now where we can say like, okay, it's everybody for themselves. Like you made your choice. I, I you know, how do, how's, how's the next like six, eight, 10, 12 months go for everybody. Like have we reached the time where we can remind people that there just are no guarantees for safety in life. Yeah. Like you, you can't depend on the government to say like, Oh, this is the way you're going to stay safe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can die from, uh, walking across the street and getting hit by a car or, or COVID. That's becoming the narrative too, because it, there's, you know, some of it's unfair, but a lot of it actually does have, you know, is, is, is a valid argument that Fauci has kind of been all over the map, especially in the last couple of months with what's the restriction going to be? When do you still need to wear your mask? How often, even if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, all these things. And there's people who are just like, that are starting to take on that mentality. Like, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to live our lives again as close as we can. We'll still be careful, but, I mean, my, my wife went out to dinner for the first time with a friend of hers last Friday and the place was jam packed and she was like, you couldn't get a table. People were everywhere. They did have like some plexiglass, plexiglass dividers, you know, by the bar, but that was pretty much it. Um, you know, you know, everybody's sitting at tables and they're not wearing their masks anymore. You know, you assume a lot of those guys, those folks got vaccinated, but who knows? Yeah, the the vaccine vaccination card is interesting. Um, Illinois is moving into bridge phase tomorrow, and they're going to make exceptions for vaccinated folks where vaccinated people don't count towards the occupancy limits. And it's like, how is a restaurant going to verify 
and count. Um, you know, why someone could just walk up and say, uh, you know, yeah, I'm vaccinated. And hell, I mean, just photocopy a a card and write your, you know what I mean? Like, yep. Um, yeah, it's not like but, a hologram or something. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no, yeah, exactly. There's no, uh, it's not like getting a passport, right? Well, did you like see today, passport. it was either so, today or yesterday, somebody, somebody in the government, I don't know what agency it was, but they put up a PDF template of the vaccine card and people were just printing it off and and writing in and they had to pull it down. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, d- I doubt it's too hard to get a copy of that uh, yeah. that template right now. Um, they're so prevalent. Yeah, the Hell, I went for my school with Photoshop yeah. could figure that out. Yeah, I went. I went for my second vaccine last week, and she was like, "Did you bring your card?" I was like, "Oh fuck, I forgot." And she's like, "Oh, don't worry, I got another one for you." I'm like, okay, so, <laughs> <nah>. <laughs> oh. um, well, I mean, they so. gave me my card before I even got the shot. Like, she was yeah. like, "Oh, did you bring your card?" And I said, "Yeah," and then she stamped it. And then I had to wait in line to get my shot, but I was like, well, I could have just as well. I could just walk, walk out. out. <laughs> yeah. I, I think like you said, Ryan, um, people have are made their choice. And like, we live with people who don't get, give their kids measles and mumps shots, you mm-hmm. know, unfortunately, and we go on with life and occasionally there's a measles or mumps outbreak somewhere. And we're just going to have to do that with COVID. You know, it's yeah. going to be like there's an outbreak and kids have to go home from school for two weeks. And then, you know, like it's just it's just, uh, you know, we're not we're never it's like the flu. You're never going to get rid of it completely. So you just have to accept that there will be thousands of cases here and there and there'll be flare ups. But generally we'll take precautions and I assume some people will continue wearing masks in crowded places. Like we're basically like Asia now where people will be wearing masks. But um, I certainly plan to, I mean, the CDC today said if you're back fully vaccinated, you don't need to distance or mask indoors. You know, Um, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable going to a Pearl Jam concert indoors right now. Probably Sign me the would. fuck up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably would. Because, yeah. um, you know, but um, I, hoped, I hope to be put in that situation where I have to make that decision soon. Yeah, yeah I'm like four weeks past my second shot. And um, I had to fly to Houston last week. Uh, my grandmother passed away. And we that was the first time I've been on a plane in 15 months. Mm-hmm. And I was, and we went to like, when we were in Houston, Texas is a different ball game, of course, but like we were in restaurants. Um, we were, you know, just everybody was sort of like over Felt normal. But I, I was just like, well, you know, like th- there's nothing more I can do. Like I've, I've done everything that I can and I feel confident in medical science that I'm, I've taken the right precautions. I've, I've gotten through the worst of the, like, the transmittal phase and I've been vaccinated and it's just like, what more can I do? Like, there's no guarantees in life. Risk is everywhere. And mm-hmm. fucking, mm-hmm. I don't want to live through another year like we did. <laughs> and so, you know, again, like I, I really wish there were more people that bought into all this. It's too bad. We've, you know, just become like a, you know, a culture of, of, you know, disbelievers and anything that, that someone says becomes politicized. And so, you know, I wish we could get to herd immunity through vaccination, but in the absence of it, it's just like, well, 
my my perspective is just kind of like then fine we all are adults or hopefully and we made our decisions and um i hope that medical science protects me as, as much as they can the anti-vaxxers are never going to go away they've just gotten their voices amplified and there's you know all the vaccine hesitancy it's not it's not like you know, I, I still hear from people like I'm not getting the shot. I never got sick. This isn't real. I was at Home Depot buying some do- French doors for my office a couple, you know, a few months ago, and the guy was like, "I'm not getting a vaccine. Why would I do that?" I'm like, "Why wouldn't you do that?" And he's like, "I didn't get sick. This isn't a real thing. It's not, it's basically the flu." I was like, "Okay, man, whatever you say." But those those people have been there forever. They just feel like they've got they can come out of the woodwork now and be more open about their views on on vaccinations. And it's not just COVID. It's you know it's everything else. The whole you know autism crowd and who thinks you know meet all the child vaccines cause autism. Um, they're just they're loving this. They, they feel yeah, like I mean, I got think a platform now. I yeah, I agree. I mean, I I know a lot of people that think they had it and thus having you know some antibodies mm-hmm. and i i wouldn't place them in sort of like the they think vaccines for measles or whatever cause autism um but yeah i i, I think there is a, a um a level of skepticism from um anything handed down by the federal government when they're like oh what you know we're look at look at the trail of of where the money has gone and it's just like okay like I, I don't want to engage. Bill in Gates. Kinds of, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if you guys, but my my cell signal has gotten so much better since I got my. <laughs> my Getting a lot more ads for Microsoft products. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So strange. Yeah. Well, we kind of got a little sidetracked there talking about COVID. But, Sorry. No, uh, no, no, it's fine. No, we like to we like to just go where we we'll go where this goes. You know. Um, the other thing uh, I just wanted to, before we get to our favorite politician, Lauren, Bre- how do you say her name? Brobert? Bobert. Bobert. She would, um, she, well, in politics and bros, it could be Brobert, I guess. Brobert. <laughs> how, how, how do you say it? It's Lauren Bobert, I think. Yeah. B-O-E, oh, Bobert. Brobert. B-O-E-B-E-R-T. Okay. Bobert. Um, uh, and we kind of, uh, before the show, you know, talked about whether or not we should talk about it, but Colorado did have another shooting. Um, I thought it was worth, you know, how did Colorado, Coloradans react to it? Was it like, this is our, um, we're going to be known for this. You know, it's a very, it's a very, Coloradans love their guns, right? It's, it's a very gun. um, I would say a responsible gun community for the most part. Um, But, uh, there have been quite a few over the years. I mean, I think probably if you ask people to name the mass shootings in America, they would say Columbine, Aurora, and may, now maybe this. Um, and, yeah. You know, it was pretty unfortunate uh, and kind of came right after Biden was inaugurated. So it was like, okay, we're back to this discussion again. And it immediately went to like, you know, everyone scattered to their political sides, but I don't know what do you have thoughts. I mean, yeah. Columbine, I was a senior in college. Um, and I actually, I covered it for, I was a new, I was a journalism major and, um, you know, it was, it was a newsworthy event and I, I wrote for it. I, you can still find articles I wrote, um, on the internet and stuff. It's weird, but yeah, that, that I think was, it's so, 
hard to think back to that time, but I feel like that was one of the, if not one of the most, um, I don't know what the right word is, notorious uh, mass shootings. It wasn't the first, certainly, um, in the United States, but it was well covered, right? It was, um, it was in an idyllic suburb of Denver, South Denver, a town called Littleton. I actually have friends that went to Columbine. Um, and yeah, I think so. It got mainstream attention. Certainly everybody knew that high school and their, um, and that, and that's a weird thing. It, it's a, a pretty small little town, you know? Um, so yeah, we've sort of become, we've learned the hard way about being kind of a center of the attention on the mass shootings. You mentioned Aurora, um, the theater shooting, which I forget. I think that was like 15 dead there. Columbine was no Columbine was 15. I think with the shooters, I think Aurora was more right. Roar might have been twelve or something like that. That was the that the dark dark night. Um, yeah. yeah, the dark night. Um, yeah, it's weird. I mean, there was a I think it was a couple years ago because it's yeah ninety nine twelve dead in Aurora. Yeah, so in ninety nine was Columbine. So twenty years ago, the twentieth anniversary was what a couple years ago, I guess. And um, there was that girl from Florida, I think. Um, and she, it was weird. I don't know. If, I think this made mainstream news. There's this girl who was like 18 and she was like obsessed with the shooters from Columbine and she flew from South Florida or something to Denver and had made some comments online on social media or something that she was going to like commemorate the shooters. And she was like, um, like almost like an unhealthy worship of them. And so like when that made um, the announcement, I think the Colorado Bureau of Investigation put that out there and shut down every single high school <laughs> in a 50 mile radius of Littleton, Jesus. including Columbine, but like, it wasn't just Columbine. And then they found her and the, everybody was like, she's on her way. And like all these reports, they had all the news people going after it, trying to like interview her and find her and stuff. And like, they found reports that she had bought a shotgun in Denver and it was like, oh my God, this is, and it was like playing out in real time, you know, social media and all this stuff. And it was just like, like opening up old wounds. It was like this crazy thing. It ended up being fairly non-eventful. I mean, she ended up um, committing suicide in like the national forest near Littleton, but um, it sort of just brought to light all this like real vulnerability um, that everybody f feels about high schools in general, um, about children um, and about the susceptibility of a lone person who could just be nuts that could make an impact right away. And the, no the notoriety is short-lived as it is because it's become so rote, right? It's become something we're so accustomed to and numb to that even the one recently, like, a, what is it, like a month or two ago in Boulder at the grocery store, which was another, was that 10 people, something like that? I mean, just, just heartbreaking. It's just, um, I mean, that was obviously wasn't a high school that, that was like, well, okay. Everybody was fearful about going to school. Everybody's fearful about going to the fucking movie theater. Every, now everybody's fearful about going to the grocery store. Yeah. It's just like, nothing is sacred. Nothing is like you're, you're it, it's, it's terrorism because you know, when you look at statistics, statistically, like no going to the grocery store is not, you know, the, the lethal, the, the lethal experience that would that you perceive it to be after seeing something like that because it's dramatized but i don't know i i would say that um 
you know, I don't consider Colorado to be all that much of a, a gun loving state comparative to like, I mean, I grew up in the deep South. It's just like, that seemed to me like a more cultural, um, thing. I, I, I know there's probably a healthy level of gun ownership in this state, but, um, yeah, it, it is weird because especially in the one in Boulder, I mean, that has some of the most restrictive gun laws in the whole state. Um, and the guy that committed all that um, worked or lived in 30 or something miles away. I think he was in our a little town car called Arvada and the, and the rules there for where he purchased the, his gun, um, which was like a semi-automatic. It was, it looked like a, it looked like a, what do you call it? Like an AR, but it was like a pistol. I think. It was a pistol, yeah. um, but it was like a, with a souped with, up pistol. Yeah, with like an, a stock on it to for a shoulder. Right. Whatever. But anyway, yeah. So I mean, it, it just you know talks talks about the like, well, one one city doesn't protect itself with its own gun laws when you have adjacent cities and mm-hmm. counties right. that are are easy to abide by. And so, yeah, it's just uh, it's too bad. It, it it is unfortunately, yeah. To your point, like it has become a household calling card for the state as being a, a place centered in so many, so much uh, tragedy, obviously, which is too bad. We have a lot more to offer than that. <laughs> We're Pete and I are familiar with gun violence in Chicago. Not, not personally, but like, and also, you know, similar, similarly, um, Indiana with has much looser gun laws than, yeah, Chicago, Gary, and, Indiana is like what thirty minutes away or something like that. Yeah, the Indiana, that, the Indiana right border is the about border. Indiana border is like a ten minute drive from downtown Chicago. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, it, that's the reason why you know there 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 needs to be at least in my opinion there needs to be at least something federally to standardize because, like you said, in in Colorado, I think I heard something about. Their their um, uh, <clears throat> assault weapons uh, legislation had just kind of like unwound or something like three weeks before, or had been overturned by a by a federal court or something because um, it violate. And you know, it's just like if we don't have something standardized across the country, then the person can just travel thirty miles or fifty miles or however far they want to go to get that weapon they need and then bring it back. So, um, uh, it's, I don't know, Pete, you're, you're the, probably the most ardent, uh, second amendment defender here. It's like, it's like the, the pro-life pro-choice arguments, not the thing that I, I hang my hat on as a conservative. I just, you know, I, Used to shoot I don't guns. think anyone here is anti Second Amendment for the no. record. I mean, I, I used to sh- I used to shoot guns with my dad. Just, we'd go yeah. we'd go quail and pheasant hunting um, in North Georgia, but um, with shotguns. But I mean, and I was a Boy Scout. But I mean, I was never a big big thing in my life, and still isn't. I do think that there the anxiety. I mean, it depends on where you live. There's a you know at least where I live in Chicago and in, in Oak Park, at the anxiety of gun violence is like through the roof. Like any time on the the Facebook pages for Oak Park, all the Park residents' Facebook pages are like, "Did anybody hear those six loud shots?" And it was like, "Calm down." It was kids doing fireworks. It's like it's always the first thing they think yeah. about when they hear any noise. It's like, "Oh my god, there was gunshots." Um, 
and it's we're close to a west side neighborhood that is known for violence and and you know not safe things after dark but um it being it's just it goes to show the anxiety level on gun violence is through the roof in some places and more so than others but it's sad yeah i mean i think i think in general there's a lot of pent-up frustration and um and all that i i i i only can hope that we can weather through some of this stuff as people as things start to go back to a semblance of normalcy i unfortunately mm-hmm. um shudder to think about the like kind of mental health um struggles that have not been dealt with uh, that that will rear their heads I've, I've only just been watching like random social media videos of like people going nuts at like baseball games yep. where they're like somebody will talk it, shit and then come over and, and fucking cold cock them you know one <laughs> section over and you're just like jesus what what is going like they're like oh yeah they, they've been stuck in their house for a fucking year it's, <laughs> it's a good point because there was a bunch i mean there really were they were all kind of bunched together in february and march these mass shootings the one in atlanta at all those massage parlors the Colorado one and, and Boulder. And there was one, when there one, one other one anyway, but it, you there's know. been a lot. I mean, we had one in Colorado Springs the other day, like a, at a birthday party. Yeah. Like, it's cause people, yeah. I mean, I do think there, that does play into it that the, that the mental health, general mental health of the country has been degraded so much because they've been freaked out for 15 months because uh, of a pandemic. And it's not to make excuses. I mean, you should, you still shouldn't go out and shoot up a grocery store, but it's I think there is a there that does play a significant role. And I've been worried about, you know, like my youngest son, who is a year and a half and has barely seen had, had barely any exposure to any people outside of our little pod or little family pod. Anytime he goes somewhere where there's more than 10 people, he loses his mind. Um, so I worry about kids. I worry about people who've been stuck in their in their homes for so long. And it, it certainly does play into it. But. Well, I mean, yeah, I think in general, um, I mean, I, I know I don't remember the statistics, but it was like domestic violence was was way up last year. Yeah. Like uh, a lot I mean, the divorce rates have gone up. I mean, Bill and Melinda Gates, for Christ's sake. I mean, if they can't stay together, well, <laughs> there's no hope for any of us. I mean, if those two nerds can't pull it off, <laughs> if, 100, if, 100, if 130 oh. billion dollars doesn't keep you together, what fucking will? <laughs> Yeah, Benefer are back. So there's hope. Hope there's that hope true love will win <laughs> in the god. end. Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, well, thanks for sharing that. I know, you know, it's a little dark, but like it definitely was something that I, I've said this before. Like it's something I think we just need to continue to talk about and sort of talk through and process because it's super important and I'm so concerned, like the fact that my children have to do active shooter drills in school. Like it's a sad state breaking. It's yeah, that's the worst. I mean, I I don't know if if this is only to, to take the opportunity to just like um, encourage everybody to just like have empathy and kindness, you know, again in the world and just recognize that we've all been going through the same shit, reach out to friends and, and family who we haven't talked to that might be more prone to isolation feelings and, and try and, yeah, I don't know. That's just where I'm at. That's that's the only thing I can hope for is that the Americanness. I mean, we've been so felt so divided, and it was like we were coming out of like the worst four year stretch of just bullshit, and then this was the capper of it all. And it's just like there's still divisiveness, there's still partisanship, there's still all this crap. But like 
can't we just be at some point American again? Like, does it have to, um, you know, can we, can we show kindness to our neighbors? Can we show uh, a sense of, um, civility and, and, and charitability even like giving back? There's a lot of people hurting. So there's my little soapbox. Well, appreciate it. Um, let's move on to a, another yeah, COVID, COVID breakup. Who? What's that? I don't, Liz Cheney and the GOP leadership. Oh, in the house. yeah. I was going to say, we, we don't have to talk about Lauren Brobert. I'm going to call her Brobert because <laughs> she is part, she feeds nicely into the, she the Liz Cheney discussion and, and who's running the GOP these days. Yep. So Pete, take it away. Uh, the GOP House Caucus is run by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, I say that because they're the ones that were holding the, uh, you know, whatever, America First rallies in, in lieu of Trump this past week. Um, you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene chasing down Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on the House floor every single time there's a vote. And to the point where uh, AOC had, like, had to move her office, has like... <laughs> enlisted the help of Capitol Police to keep Marjorie Taylor Greene away from her. Um, but those are the people. You, that are your brother-in-law liked to like your brother-in-law liked to tweet today that said um, they got a, a quote from AOC that said, I used to bartend. Uh, these are the types of people we used to have to throw out of the bar. <laughs> That's what she said about Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> Matt, Matt said that he, that was he retweeted good. that or he liked you know, the tweet. That's funny. He, he, he liked it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's, I mean, but, she is. she's, she's uh, I know, a at a bar. I yeah. mean, she really is. But I mean, but it's, it is interesting that like she, she has not been uh, reprimanded. I mean, I guess she, by the GOP, at least, she has not been reprimanded. Yeah. Yet Liz Cheney, who is arguably one of the most conservative principled uh, Republicans and voted that way. Mm. has now been um, had her wrist slapped and and her leadership uh, position revoked. Oh, well, I mean, see, this is where this is where I, you guys might think I'm a little little crazy and maybe even a little Trumpy. And I, I think she probably should have been kicked out of leadership. I mean, not not the way that she was, but he, her job is as the conference chair. The conference chair is the person that does all the messaging for the for the caucus for the Republican or Democratic caucus, whichever party it is, and she's not she's not doing the job and she can do what she can say all these things about Trump. She can talk about, you know, fighting against the big, you know, fighting the, and highlighting the big lie and, and pushing back against his tweets and, and the election and all that. But at the end of the day, that's not her job. Her job is to message why democratic Democrats and democratic policy, you know, Biden or Pelosi's, is not moving America forward or making America more prosperous or, or whatever. Um, and she's not doing that. And she's lost the faith and trust of her caucus. So she should be voted out and have somebody else put in. Now, do I think it's bonehead? Of course. And it's all politics. There's no policy behind it whatsoever. But that's what the job is. It's a political job within the caucus. And if you don't have the trust of your membership, if they're not willing to coalesce behind you and to support what you're doing, then you shouldn't be there in the first place. It's not to say that she can't keep doing what she's doing. She should. And absolutely, I hope she does. And it sounds like she's going to form, I don't know, a pack or something, some fundraising apparatus so that she can keep doing this. Um, I'm sure mostly it's so that she can <laughs> crisscross Wyoming 100 times over to 
hopefully keep hold on to her job in a year and a half. But, um, you know, I think that's kind of, I mean, that's my perspective on it, that she probably should be voted out. Ryan. <laughs> I'll, uh, you know, you make a good point. I mean, whether or not this was politically driven in, in terms of her strategy, um, whether or not her, her next stop or next aim is, is the white house or some other, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can't put it past the idea in this clown show that we live in, um, that everybody's figuring out the best way to get press <laughs> and yeah, losing her seat, um, or her whatever, um, comes at a, you know, if that's the cost for her to get exposure and to, um, set herself aside as in her own brand of, of conservatism Mm -hmm. that could even peel off the GOP or I've, I've seen somebody even refer to like the Taylor green and the Matt Gates, like Trump arm as like the GQP. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so you know, to me, it's all politically motivated and, and she has an end goal in mind. And so does everybody else. I mean, yeah. it's like Taylor Green and Matt Gates and um, and Lauren Boebert even that's just like who, who has zero redeeming qualities, zero experience. I mean, she literally had to take the GED uh, three times. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I think I wrongly assumed at one point, I think, Pete, you called me out on it. I was like when she was going through this and I was like, I can't believe someone with so little experience, so zero experience. And she, I mean, she has no, no experience whatsoever in anything really restaurants. Uh, that's about it. Um, crime. She's, she's got a, a rap sheet, but I, I was so astounded that somebody could um, end up in, in a, in a congressional office without such experience. And Pete was like, yeah, there's a lot of fucking morons that wear the lapel <laughs> pin. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, okay, that's probably true. There's a lot of them. And there's a, probably a reason why like a, a congressional term is two years, I guess. Um, it's a, it's a, a, you know, maybe not such a, a hard bet. You're not stuck with a Senator for six years. You know, it's like they're two years and gone if they suck or if nobody likes them yeah. or they're, they could be like, who's the lifelong, is it Grassley? That's uh, well, he's a, know. he's a Senator. Oh, sorry. Not Grassley. Who, there, there's, there's a, some congressional aides that have been Feinstein. Uh, yeah. There you go. Diane Feinstein. She's like 96 years old. Isn't she? Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I, that's all to say um, Cheney, I think has the opportunity here to, um, you know, set herself aside. I think it's all, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a great PR yeah. move. And um, you know, the, the cost of receipt was a, a, a small price to pay for further um, fame and, and getting her name further. Although I saw today that um, Jeb, Jeb Bush's son, what's his name? Um, George P. George P. George P. George P. George P. has um, soundingly, it seems like he's, he's got some, some Trumper uh, talking points that he's taken to the, the Cheney effect, which I'm a little surprised by, but he's probably got an agenda as well. So he's, yeah, he's, he's been trying to set himself up for something in Texas for a while now. I mean, he's, he is statewide. He is a statewide elected official in Texas. Um, Isn't yeah, he from Florida? No, I'm well. I yeah, he is, but he went to college in Texas, and he's spent his entire professional life there. Um, so that's right. where he made his home, and that's where he met his wife um, at UT Austin. So, 
Pete, you said this week when we were texting, you think the the Cheney thing was overblown, and I take it. I'm guessing it's because you think it's it makes sense politically, and that's why you think like the media is overblown. My my argument back would be that maybe politically it makes sense, but from a direction of the party oh, it's awful. and what it what it requires in the future, yeah. it it is a big deal in my opinion. No, I agree. And I think that I think Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, you know, even like a new member like Peter Meyer in Michigan, they're all they're all battling for the soul of the party to try and bring it back. Um, and I think I think the problem, though, is, is that they all struggle to figure out where it went off the rails. I think a lot of Republicans, never Trumpers or, you know, at least moderate Republicans are trying to can't pinpoint that moment where it went off the rails. I mean, you can speculate you know, to past election cycles and what happened. But I was, I was listening to an interview with um, Thomas Frank, who's a historian who lives in, who lives in DC. And um, I don't know if he's a professor, but he's a historian and a political commentator. He used to be a Republican, like in college days. And then he, he definitely became, you know, left wing supported Bernie Sanders in 16 and a 20, but he made a, he made a comment that probably the most, the, he pinpointed it to the Clinton years. Clinton got elected in 92 he pushed the Democratic Party to be basically to be Republicans. I mean, he basically got rid of welfare. He deregulated Wall Street, you know, did all these things that were balanced the budget. Yeah, was a was a deficit hawk. You know, he was he was a defense hawk, too, in a lot of ways. I mean, unsuccessfully, if you talk about like Mogadishu or something like that. But and that's besides the point that it actually sent the Republicans into just you know, like the circuit fried in their brains or something like that. So it pushed them to the extreme right. And that's when you saw the contract with America and the, and the rise of the religious right um, that elected George W. Bush in 2000. Um, but it was, I, I never thought of it that way, but it's actually, it's pretty true. I mean, Clinton really wasn't a centrist. He really was, a lot of his policies were Republican. I mean, at the, if you strip them down and, and really analyze them and look at, look at them objectively. Um, so when you do that, the natural thing is to kind of shove the other side to their extreme so they still have a role or still have a voice or have something to offer. Um, and now you're kind of seeing Biden is almost like trying to correct that in a way and bring everything back to the left, even though he was a party, even though he supported Clinton, you know, you know, with his crime bill and, you know, all these other things that he was he was totally fine being a centrist, you know, at the time. But now it seems like he's trying to bring everything. I don't know if it's back into balance or, or what, but um, it's an interesting thing. So I, I, I hope Liz Cheney and Adam Kingsinger and these, you know, country first people, you know, country over party people are, are successful. Um, but that's just not where the Republican caucus is in the House. And they need to lose more elections to realize that they need to change their narrative and change their policy focus and to finally get rid of Trump. And, you know, you see like Senator Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, he was quoted saying, uh, I think it was yesterday, it might have been today or yesterday, uh, Donald Trump will not be our nominee in 2024. Like, and, you know, Cassidy voted for impeachment, you know, so that you got to take that into account. But there are more and more members saying that he's not going to be our nominee. And they won't even entertain the offer or entertain the thought of him being that being a nominee yeah i i think it's probably a a short term like they're just looking to 2022 at this point right let's get through that let's retake the house 
Which they um, might. They've got a better than they've got a better than fifty fifty chance think of doing it. That, that I was I was wondering, should we go on record right now and be like, is is the house gonna flip? I think or or set the odds for the house flipping in twenty twenty two. But we can hold that for another day. Uh, what what really? And I've I talked to you to you about this all the time, Pete. When we used to have lunch, it's like what really gets me is that. This is, as you said, it's all driven by politics, yeah. and there I don't see any leadership. I see, um, I see people respond. It's it's very similar to the we need to uh, uh, strengthen our election voting laws because people have lost faith in elections. Well, why did they lose faith in the elections? Right, because Donald Trump and many of the Republicans were casting doubts on what was going on and it was this bad feedback loop where um you had to uh strengthen the the voting regulations because you were telling people that they were weak in the first place and that there were irregularities it's very similar in this instance where um you know they could be they could be pushing well first off donald trump is the one who keeps raising the election and every time he does liz cheney says this there was no fraud that's the big lie he's he's weakening democracy so she's responding to him in the first place he's the one who's dragging her off message i'm sure liz cheney would be happy to sit there and pick apart um biden's infrastructure plan sure Uh, but it's a valid point she thinks it's more important to protect the the protect our democracy yeah. than focus on policy, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of the the Republican leadership could say and lead. And I know you and I disagree on this. We disagreed on this when Paul Ryan um, on I texted you when the Muslim ban came out, and I said. Paul Ryan needs to do something. And you were like, he can't, he's not, it's not his role. And I was like, but he needs to be a leader. Um, (laughs) And if it had been a democratic president, uh, he would have been a leader, but there was a, it was a president from his own party. So he's not the leader. Well, you don't have to be the top dog to show leadership. Leadership does not mean. I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I don't disagree, but it's not, um, it's like I told you that many years ago, it's not that simple. I, I understand, but that this is where I say <laughs> politics, this is where politics are bad in my opinion. Yeah. And I had a whole, I had a whole segment tonight. I wanted to talk about leadership and, and what Plato defined the ideal leadership in, and in, in a democracy and the virtues of, of leaders and um, courage and um, is, is, you know, one of the virtues that they need. And um, a leader cannot be focused on self-interest, which Kevin McCarthy is interested in being the speaker of the house. He he only cares about being the next speaker of the house. Absolutely. And it, to me, it's, it's, it's just wrong. That's all. That's all I'll say. And I I think that it's putting the, the GOP, on a dangerous path where in the future will they have to question any <laughs> will they have to question any democratic election win Ryan would you would you like to 
chime in here. <laughs> Sorry, I had my hand up. Um, well, I was just going to say to your point about um, just like these these refrains about election fraud, and it's, it's like I started to liken the Donald Trump rallies, um, which have apparently been that strategy has been picked up by so many as a, a effective means of politicking. But I used to liken his rallies to like a, a Neil Diamond concert. Like you got to play the <laughs> fucking greatest hits. Like you got to play Sweet Caroline eight times in the concert to make people happy. to feel like they got their money's worth. And like his greatest hits are always like whatever kind of um, woe is me. I'm, you know, Russia hoax and the, the, you know, um, y- y- you know, the election is a fraud and I've, you know, I've been so wronged by the media and like, these are just the greatest hits. He's got to play those. And that's, that's the refrain. And that's the only way he continues to get press. I mean, they shut him, they shut his Twitter off. They shut his Facebook up. And so like, he has to continue to be like, Hey, I'm still here. Remember I was, I was the one that was uh, defrauded. Like Joe, Joe Biden shouldn't have won the election so that like he can hang on to some semblance of, um, control i guess over over the party as as being the de facto leader and potential i don't know could you call him the presumptive nominee maybe not i know we're not predicting you know three years down the road or whatever but um, that to me is just this this whole continued clown show i think you can call him the presumptive nominee until he actually says he's not running i mean i don't think he will be the nominee but i think it is safe to call him that until he says definitively that he's not going to do it but I mean, it's a cult of personality too. I mean, he's not the reason why he's got so much control is he got so many people to buy in, and you know, like it or not, there is some there is valid. He did have you know did have a point when he would talk about the press is out to get me because they botched so many stories early on in his in his presidency, the Russia hoax or the Russia narrative for one. That people they did not botch the Russian narrative. They, I will push back on that. But, but they did. Honestly, the way the press no, the way the press presented it, they botched it, and they they totally fucked up. And they what looked, did they botch? That that any of it was actual uh, any of the accusations that were made towards him, the golden showers, the steel dossier, none of that stuff was ever confirmed and never proven to be true. And in a lot of cases, it was proven no. not to be true. No one said it was true. They said it, it that a dossier But it was presented, but it was presented this. as true. It was presented as fact. Rachel Maddow went her went on her show every night to say that say that exact thing. But the point being how I don't I, think you can you I, can't I, say Rachel Maddow represents the press I, any more than an Tucker Carlson represents it was the an, press. It was an example. But the point being is that it gave We'll have another episode where where we to talk his about supporters, the it gave them enough to hang on to that this guy and I know it's bullshit. Shut I will up. Give you I know that. you're about to say something. <laughs> Thank you. It it gave them enough to hang on to that and say that this is why America sucks and we need to have leaders who fight for us like Donald Trump, even though he didn't fight for a goddamn thing. And I love seeing the talking points now about, you know, equating Biden's first three months in office to Jimmy Carter's four years in office with inflation, unemployment skyrocketing deficits and debt which are not his fault gas crisis gas crisis it's like people i mean and i as soon as i saw the debt and deficit talking point i I forget who put it out one of the one of the congressional republicans did i want to be like really where were you the last four years and these are people who are in congress during the last four years that uh, so yeah it's all bullshit but the point being is that his 
the the sycophants and i will say that to the average joe blow voter who voted for trump they they felt like he was wronged and they felt like they had enough evidence to do it and some of it's bullshit some of it might have it might be true but that's why they still can't let it go and that's why he still has a platform because they feel like he needs to he can still make his case or he should be able to still make his case and we'll return to Crossfire after a quick word from our sponsor. <laughs> and what about, I mean, also honestly, too, like there's there are people who think like everything was all fucking hunky dory in Israel between Israel and Palestine. And now that Biden's in office, all hell's breaking <laughs> loose. I, I mean, I, I you the three of us know better, but people who don't really think that they think that Biden. Lauren, did Lauren Brobert. Oh, she's she got tweeted. an opinion. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. She thinks Joe Biden needs to act strongly. I don't know what that means, but right. um, uh, it but means jack shit. It does. It does mean jack shit. But the the point of all this is that the inmates are now running the asylum, Pete. Liz Cheney was an adult conservative. I agree. Who was principled? I agree. And you've the control of that party has been completely ceded to the crazies. And Trump. And my question, my only question going forward is, is it going to drive enough people away where it potentially threatens their um, opportunity to take back the House right. in 2022? Well, I mean, I think polling data will determine all. And if they really see the polls, and there's some people you're never going to change, like like the Marge Taylor Greens, and Matt Gates, the the... Uh, Brobert, Bobert, they're they're not going to change. They're going to we're calling her Brobert. Any of those America First Trump people are not going to change. But they're the the rank and file who actually care about their districts, the people who really think they can win, like Alyssa Schlotkin's seat, they're going to see that polling and they will tone down. Well, I hope they will tone down their 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 rhetoric. Um, but it well, it also depends on you know if they do do something where they're um i guess uh seeding that biden is the president and that he mm-hmm. won the election then then you which, know which as uh, they should, which mccarthy only did they should, like day before yesterday right as they should um the you know that may lead to trump attacking them in a primary and then the right. republicans That's what may end of. up nominating someone further to the right, right. And then they just give that seat back to Elisa Slotkin or someone exactly. like her. Exactly. Which is what I think could happen. I think more and more Republicans that are polled is a smaller and smaller sample size. I think more less people are self-identifying as Republican these days. It's the sa- But it's also the same people who tell Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to shut her mouth on the Democratic side. Those centrist Democrats who can't do go full bore on um, a green uh, a green new deal they because they know that they're going to get prior or they're going to lose their general election because they're only in you know they're in a swing district or maybe a dem plus one or republican plus one district um like i said i if i were a voting member of congress i would never have voted to replace liz cheney but also i have i have the unfortunate you know distinction of working on the hill for 12 years and understanding or at least sympathizing with the politics that these members have to deal with. And that's why I'm saying, that's why I said that she should, she should be removed because 
And so I'm too close to it. Maybe I'm not, it. maybe I'm not the best person I to get it. opine on it. You have a good perspective on an insider perspective on why it makes sense as Americans. Mayo and I don't understand why it makes sense. Mayo, you're, that's your not what I mean though. Okay? I'm not trying to, you, I'm not uh, trying to, do you have anything? I'm not trying to have anything from to, a position of authority. No, 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 though, I get it. I, I know. It's that I, I, my point is, is that I totally agree with you and think it's just ass backwards stupid. But anyway, sorry, Mayo. Ryan, no, do you have no. uh, you have any any closing thoughts on this? I I was distracted. My <laughs> two pup two puppies is uh, was a oh you have two puppies now. Yeah. I, I I knew you had one. I didn't know you had two. Yeah, it was um, uh, we were under duress um, after <laughs> <laughs> the loss of our fifteen-year-old Golden in uh, November. Just everybody was devastated in COVID, and we decided two puppies was a great idea. It was the fucking worst idea in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Quinn got two like not too long ago too, and I was I almost was like no. <laughs> like, <laughs> Head them off Puppies the are hard. Oh my Puppies God. are, it's like having a kid, a baby. It's like having a baby. Yeah. To all, some degree. Yeah. I was, I did not yeah. need any of it. They've just been going yeah. bonkers downstairs. One of they were, <laughs> one of them started barking and the other one started barking and I was embarrassed. Sorry. And we, I didn't hear a thing. So oh, I was muted, anything, thankfully, but. <laughs> oh, okay. I felt um, like, yeah. Like the guy. Well, Pete and I can, Pete and I can continue to argue. If you would like, um, I, that's but, been the best uh, part. I mean, I've, I've listened to the whole thing. Uh, we, we finally found the topic that we can, um, silence all of your critics that say that you guys are just like an echo chamber for <laughs> the mainstream media, the same, the same perspective. Yeah. We don't bring any, anything new. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was, we actually wanted to talk about Liz Cheney last week when we recorded, we didn't get around to it, but it kind of exploded since then. I th- I didn't think at that point that she was going to get removed, but um, yeah, they they've kind of chosen their path, and I think you've seen some people say this could force a reckoning within the GOP, where um, Liz Cheney kind of forms this this kind of faction, this truth faction that with like Adam Kinzinger and some other folks that are that are principled conservatives. Um, this is what we're going to, we're going to represent Republicans in this way. And if we lose our, our primaries, then so be it, but we're going to be who we are and what we believe in. And I certainly for one would rather have people who stand by their ideals and are principled than uh, a cult of personality. I mean, it's worth workshopping, right? I mean, seeing if there's, if there's still an appetite for that, like to me, this all seems very, um, you, you know, planned, uh, and and I'm I'm hopeful that they're they're just out to like test the waters here, whether or not there's like a still a a, a tolerance for good old fashioned the grand old party, um, whether or not everybody wants to just go to the fringes, and um, you know, just for the for whatever the sake is for like the fuck you to the federal government or the big government idea or the control or, you know, whatever it is that is the, the whoa. I mean, did you guys, did you guys check out that um, HBO documentary on QAnon? 
I watched like the first two episodes. Okay, watch the whole. Th- third. Watch watch the rest of it. Um, it was really fascinating to me. Um, it it explained a lot. Um, to me in terms, and, and I know you know you can, you can kind of um say what you will about documentaries and having a. An agenda or whatever, but to me, I, I was I was introduced to this this concept of LARP, LARPing, uh, live action role playing, and that you know it's like i grew up in the south so i immediately went to like the oh that that's that's what like the civil war reenactment guys that we used to see like <laughs> running around atlanta on like weekends and stuff like this live action role playing and it's like that's what politics has become but um and all of these like lauren bobert is a perfect example of it she is somebody has um and i don't know who or what but um groomed her or, or, or pinpointed her as somebody who can, um, use those trigger words like, um, you know, radical left and second amendment and freedom and, you know, all these trigger words that that's all she has to say. She never has to, and now as a, an elected official, she can take the Cory Gardner, uh, our former Colorado Senator who used to be famous for never showing up in district to meet with his constituents holding town halls. He would never announce when he was coming back to Colorado, uh, much to the dismay of his constituents and the media and anybody who wanted to hold him to task on anything. But Lauren Boebert has done the same thing. Um, she will only show up back in district to like in secret and meet with like, um, you know, certain, um, packs or, or agenda sort of folk that are, are aligned with what she's doing. And then she can go back to just, you know, governing or, or being a congressional uh, representative from Twitter. Um, and it's, that's, that seems to be where we are today, this live action role play. Um, and it explains a lot because it just seems like a great way to be notorious. And, you know, Lauren Boebert happened to be able to look enough like Sarah Palin um, to, <laughs> to, to be, uh, to resonate with that brand, to, to resonate with those, that group. I mean, no one had ever heard of her in our town. No one had ever seen her. She showed up on posters looking like Sarah Palin with the, literally the word, the only word on her poster next to her was freedom. That was her platform. <laughs> she, um, it was, it was, how can you something. argue with that? It was quite something. Yeah. People I stand yeah, for freedom. Yeah, I stand for that. Um, yeah. Anyway, I just, I, I think this, that's, that's just, um, so to so to the Cheney point, it's like to see something go back to a a center right. I don't know if that's more applicable to her um, to test the, to see if that's right. Yeah, she is. You, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, when you would when you would compare her to to others in that, but it's just like the principled moral um, aspect of that can can that play to a voting base that the fringe crazies can't anymore the marjorie taylor green block um is that gonna is that gonna rally voters i i don't it's to me it's just like it's just gonna alienate it's really tiresome that's what i think it's it's both i think it's both sides that uh, everybody everybody rallies around the fight both left and right i mean you hear it all the time you know maxine waters talks about you know with uh if the derek chauvin Verdicts have gone the other way. That we need to fight in the streets. It's everything's a fight. It's on both sides. It's there's no like, there's no just normal talk about okay, what do we do next? It's like okay, let's let's get ready to fight. And you know, 
the freaking Trumpies are that way. The Black Lives Matter people are that way. Antifa, the Proud Boys, all it's all about fighting now, fighting for whatever. And, you know, pick your buzzword, freedom or, you know, democracy or whatever it is. And without actually having a real policy thing to rally around and debate, it's, and I just, yeah, I miss the, I miss the good old days when actually there were debates and ideas were exchanged and you stated your case. You know, I had a boss when he wanted to pass a bill, he did 30 town halls in four days around his district to get everybody to rally behind him. Like, that's awesome. But that doesn't happen anymore. Like you said, nobody shows up in district anymore. Nobody does town halls. Nobody actually does listening sessions. It's, yeah. Yeah, because you're, so. I mean, if if all else fails, then you have a um, a future career on some fringe, you know, network like mm-hmm. Newsmax or yeah. OANN or yeah. something like that. I mean, it's like Lauren Boebert um, has, when you see her, like she ran a restaurant that's basically like Hooters with uh, the wait staff packs heat over in a little town called rifle. I shit you not. That's, that's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole gig. They are not known for their food. I'll tell you that. Um, and, and she can go from that to, um, I don't know. You know, she made a, a modest living. She's not, she doesn't come from a well-to-do mm-hmm. anything. And so now she goes to what does a congressional representative make like 170 grand a year? Like yeah, that's not that nothing. I, and I know she moved to DC and has a higher cost of living and all that, but um, she's basically been able to leverage this into a career. She had literally a GED, no experience in anything, uh, a, a, a checkered, um, you, you know, uh, criminal history. Criminal history. <laughs> Um, and, and now she's, she's someone who's taken seriously and gets airtime and, and it's just like, how, how in this, mm-hmm. when, I guess it's, it's back to the idea that like, when was America ever a meritocracy, but it's just like, now it's just a fucking reality TV show. It's like, yeah. if the Kardashians can be the case study for everything and become billionaires and, you know, people don't want to work because they can just like buy GameStop stock or Bitcoin or Ethereum or something and be, you know, overnight become, you know, make the right move. And now all of a sudden, like they don't have to work because they made a shit ton of money in this random like internet centered thing. And they can just spend all their days on the internet. Then what kind of culture do we have anymore? Yeah. Like nobody. Yeah. Why do you hate the American dream, Ryan? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a, I'm a Russian deep state operative. <laughs> well, I think we uh, beat this one to a to death. Unless, like unless you disagree, how 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 did you do? You disagree? I I got nothing else to add. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I well, I I don't know. We'll see. I we'll see where this goes. I I. I am not optimistic that it leads in positive direction. So, yeah. um, but maybe it's the beginning of the end of something. We'll see. We'll see. Um, do you guys, do you guys want to talk about something you're into? I can go. No. <laughs> okay. Tell me what you're into. I'm into, I'm into a uh, Substack. Cause I think, oh. cause I think the opinion pieces in newspapers suck now and all the good writers are, are on Substack. Like Barry Weiss and John McWhorter, and like you're gonna you're gonna do your own substance. No, 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 just no, just, just subscribing, participating as a no, reader, no, just a reader. Like I, 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 you know, I, my cool. normal 
reading has always been like Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, you know, the digital suspects. But none of those none of those pieces anymore really do it for me. And they all kind of feel not manufactured, but everybody's kind of saying the same thing. At least, you know, on Substack, those writers are able to take risk because you're subscribing to them. You're not subscribing to New York Times. Um, what, so is, what is Substack offer that's unique it's just like I, why couldn't direct. someone just blog yeah, or just send out it's a newsletter thing. yeah it's the same thing i, I okay. think I, th- I think that platform doesn't it give you the option or the opportunity to monetize it though yes it does where you can where so it's it's a platform yeah. not unlike uh you know whatever squarespace or something where yeah. you can right. host yeah. your blog but you can also charge a fee for it to monetize it yeah sort of like yeah i mean i i agree i think i think this era of of media has um, you've taken, you know, in the old days, it used to be this sender receiver model, right? You had a limited number of outlets, like the network news, um, newspapers, mm-hmm. this and that, those were the senders and the receivers were the, the, the you and me. Right. Yeah. Um, and now you can cut out the middleman, like, especially if you can build a name for yourself, it's not unlike podcasting, right? You can, yeah. you don't have to go through anybody. There's no, there's no gatekeeper that tells you you cannot do this. If you yeah. can build an audience, congratulations. Like you right. can monetize it, you can enjoy it. That is the American dream, right? Um, there, there is, um, you know, an internet um, provider and a, a cell phone is basically your your cost of entry, the barriers to entry. Um, so I, I'm I'm with you. I think it's awesome. Um, I I also think that um, mainstream media. I mean, I I, I have a journalism degree. Um, I still believe in the idea of, of that profession. Uh, it's certainly been, um, what's the right word, bastardized by, um, you know, certain people that claim to be journalists um, that are more pundits or um, opinion, opinionators. Um, and, and so it, it takes away the, the idea of good reporting, right? And reporting has always been paramount to any, uh, it's the, you know, what is the fourth estate, right? It's reporting on, you know, the eyes on the government, the eyes on those that have power. Um, there's, it's a checkpoint. And, and I, and I still believe in that concept. Um, it's certainly been, um, abused and it's, it's certainly been, it's not, it's not the finest hour for, for those yeah. professions. But so to your point, like the Substack and the democratization of information and the being able to create your own audience and share it, it's, it's fucking awesome. Right. It's, um, yeah. So, but I, th- I think there will come a, th- there's a limitation, right there. Um, how, how many people can you subscribe to yeah. until it becomes so overwhelming that you're just like, Oh, I, I can't get everything that I need still. Um, and I don't know, but yeah, I, I, you need more infrastructure than just hope, sending out an well, email. Th- there used to be, I mean, editors or were, were, support were right. very important. Yeah. I mean, they, they were the gatekeepers that helped, you know, they had integrity, like the, the like Edward R. Murrow, you know, um, you know, idea that this, this power in, in journalism comes with great responsibility and that's certainly been lost, but, um, but now you have it, editors at the New York times who are certainly. pushing people out right, for certainly. expressing, uh, not even really controversial opinions, but maybe some, uh, opinions that are out, that opinions that are outside the that echo- are that, that might upset some people right that are outside the current echo yeah. chamber. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you've seen like Glenn Greenwald and all these folks going over to Substack. And it, it, you can get the variety, though. I mean, I, it doesn't replace like the reporting. Like, if I want to know like what's going on with like, you know, Chicago City Council, I'm, gonna, of course, I'm going to read the Tribune and, and all that. But the opinion pieces where you really want to hear some perspective on a lot of these issues, it, a lot the papers just aren't really doing it i mean peggy noonan at, no, at totally. uh, wall street journal is kind of the exception for me she's the only one that i'll consistently read now and that's just because but like I love barry she weiss writes. like she she was fantastic yeah and still is but yeah her Substack is amazing oh she's blown uh, up great... she's making so much money on Substack now it's it's crazy well and, and but a lot of it's free right i mean she she has a free aspect she does have a free well, aspect but most uh, if you want to get a majority of her content like she releases a, like one free article a week or one free piece a week and the rest is all you have to pay yeah that's how it usually goes most of them are that way but anyway so it's fun exploring Substack just for a new i'm new just waiting for your your peter photos only fans that's what i'm <laughs> most excited about <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Drums. I just, it. yeah, I want to watch you play just, drums. And just drums and a sock. Drumming naked <laughs> in a sock. <laughs> Are you uh, in anything, Hal? Well, I, I was going to say I'll let Mayo go last if he wants, but I just real quickly, um, we've been watching the the Mighty Ducks on Disney Plus. Have you seen this? The new, the the new re- Mighty Ducks? Reboot. Yeah. It's a series, yeah, with, with uh, Gordon Bombay as uh, runs a uh, ice skating rink. Have you watched it, Mayo? I have. Yeah, we we've been checking it out a little bit. I, my, my I was never not... a huge Mighty Mighty Ducks fan myself, but like we we checked it out on just kind of a lark one night, and it's actually really good. I really like it. I mean, Emilio Estevez is still a terrible actor, but um, <laughs> how dare some you? of the humor, <laughs> some of the humor is actually it's one of those where it's like there's some adult jokes in there too my wife um, is a huge lauren graham fan um, okay back to like gilmore girls gilmore girls mm. but um yeah so she's yeah. she's she is a a treat she's a lovely yeah yeah lovely she's person. she's really good good in it and the um, kids are good the, the casting is, yeah. is great it's 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 got the the charm i, I agree it's pretty cool yeah it's fun with yeah the kids. so i was it was a it was a surprise that i liked it um, but I definitely recommend it. It's a good family viewing, uh, viewing time. So Ryan finish us off here. If you, if you so dare, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm, uh, tonight I'm not into puppies. Um, <laughs> I have to go deal with that. My wife's out of town and I'm running the, running the show here is, is, uh, finding the bottle bottom of the Buffalo trace bottle here tonight to, um, I, so yeah, I mean, last, last year I was, um, on here in this space talking about a pretty geeky subject with, um, fly tying, which I won't bore you <laughs> with any more of that, but, um, yeah, I've, I think what I've been into lately is eBay and I don't know if it's like a spring cleaning thing that I've just been kind of going through where I've, I'm finally motivated to like declutter and get rid of shit that still has value, but, um, uh, it's, it's something that can bring a few extra dollars in. And, and so in doing so, like I unearthed, like this is years ago, probably when I moved to Colorado, my parents like had a whole bunch of extra shit that was still sitting in their attic. And they were like, Hey, uh, take this. <laughs> and in that was like all my baseball cards and comic books from mm. growing up. Mm-hmm, and, um, gosh. while I was tying flies, all COVID shut down, um, <laughs> people really got into 
um, sports cards and comic books and stuff. And so I missed kind of the first wave of that, but, um, yeah, so it's been fun to kind of go back through that and just to see what I have. Um, I haven't really sold anything, um, because every, ever since we, I mean, I don't know if you guys feel this way when we collected baseball cards and basketball cards and football cards, it was just like, you opened a pack of cards that you got, or maybe you went to a card show or something like that and you'd get a card and you'd get Beckett and it would be like, Oh, mint mm-hmm. would be worth this. And yeah. near mint would be worth this and very good. Well, ever since then, and it was like kind of all like, oh, that's mint. And if you like traded a card with a friend, you'd be like, yeah, this is this is mint. And they'd be like, eh, I don't know. That's it was a very, negotiation. Yeah, there's a negotiation. Well, now there's like yeah. third parties yes. that, um, that you pay yeah. to yep. standardize. It's like a so so now it's like a almost like a perfect market certification. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. and um, but now because everybody went to their attics and found their baseball cards and sent them into the to get graded so that they could sell them. Um, all these grading companies have been overrun with, um, so many cards. Mm -hmm. And so they've, they've actually shut, increased their prices and then shut down Mm -hmm. their, um, acceptance for a little while so they could like buy themselves some time. So it's kind of this crazy world. So I've just been kind of fascinated on eBay, like looking around while I'm selling just like, um, excess, just electro old electronics and stuff that just are, um, you know, still have a couple bucks left in them that I can. Uh, reap reap some enjoyment from so I don't know that's just v- kind of in my spring cleaning thing. VCRs fetch a lot these days. I should have gone on a VCR hunt. I, <laughs> I swear, if you look at VCRs on there, oh, like, I'm sure people are like, if you try I to I buy do- a new v- if you try to buy a new VCR these days, it's like 200 bucks. I swear to God, <laughs> you can buy like um, a, a 82 inch screen, flat screen TV for yes. less money. Yeah. Than <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, but it all comes back around. I mean, um, yeah. The baseball funny. thing's interesting. I didn't realize there was a boom, but there was an article, I think, today that Target has had to remove all their baseball, football, basketball cards, and Pokemon mm-hmm. cards from their shelves. Pokemon. And you can only yeah, now Pokemon's buy them huge. online because I didn't realize this was happening at all. So that's really interesting that you mm-hmm. brought that up. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's again kind of a geeky under, undercurrent, undertow of, uh, of uh, our culture, but it's, it's become huge. It's, um, it's funny. So yeah, I don't know. That's It's kind of occupied more time. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's like a, a, um, some sort of an asset, right? It's like, and I guess that's why we invested in baseball cards when we were kids. It was like the first time we would be like, Oh, there's rarity, you know, it has scarcity, Mm -hmm. it has value. And over time, maybe this would, this would increase in value. And it was like, I don't know. I don't think our parents were like, necessarily trying to teach us something but they were i mean it was just something we did it was like around sports yeah but like we weren't all that good about maintaining the integrity of a card you know people are putting them in like their bicycle spokes and like yeah you know playing creating like little mock lineups for your baseball team you know throwing cards around the room and it's like now it's like if a card is not in the most pristine quality then it's almost worth nothing where like like you find all these like Michael Jordans, right? And that's like, or what, what were the ones that sold for astronomical rates lately? Like Tom Brady rookies and stuff sold for like three million bucks. LeBron's card like just sold for like LeBron's, a like there's yeah a couple million. So, but like those are like the the tens, right? Out of a one scale of one to ten, the ones that are like sevens and eights. If if a ten sells for two million, the the sevens and eights will sell for like a thousand. <laughs> It's, it's like, yeah, so there's this huge disparity in like, um, and, it, and it's all dependent on these third parties. It's yeah. just really, it's really funny. So yeah, 
I don't know. From a from an investment standpoint, it's 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 fascinating to me that like it, it comes around. And so I just going back through and, and like we grew up in this really strange era of um when they were it was really hot, baseball cards were especially, mm-hmm. and they were printing just shit tons of like 88, 89, 90, 92, you know, all the way through the early nineties. And so those cards are not very valuable (laughs) because they printed so many of them. But, um, anyway, we're in the air when upper deck, uh, debuted Don Ross. I remember, I remember there was, there was a, uh, there was a, not too far from Holy Innocence. There was a, uh, there was a baseball card shop on Roswell road near Chick-fil-A just outside the perimeter in that shopping center. And it was like all these rare baseball cards. I used to go there a bunch with friends. Yeah. I, I remember going to like baseball card shows and stuff like meeting like Willie Mays, Nolan Ryan, like they would show up in, at card shows and like sign Pete Rose autographs and stuff. <laughs> Someone, my uncle gave me a Pete Rose baseball. I found it when I was looking through all this shit. Um, but it's cool. Like I, I, I actually want to, I'm, I'm kind of in the process of during my spring cleaning is I'm trying to create some more room. I'm going to put some shelves up, but I want to like, display some of that stuff like it's some cool yeah. old memorabilia that's like fun to look at it's like it's cool um i don't I know. like it still trying to keep things on an, on uh i'm still at home more often than <laughs> than not so yeah. looking forward to traveling though hopefully we can <laughs> get back to shows and stuff we we still have uh, a lot of made up, a lot of time to make up for yeah yep sure. totally well thanks man all right, boys. Thank you. Thanks, for, thanks for joining thanks for us. Me again. Yeah, appreciate it. Follow us at Bros Politics. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Amazon. And hopefully, we get to go to a casino. If anyone wants some thirty-five-year-old baseball cards, they know where to they know where to go. <laughs> these right. You right want you want to give people we'll give your, your, your eBay handle. Yeah. No, not. just go to Laxes, Last Exit Goods. He, he'll throw some in. Free <laughs> Nolan Ryan sixties uh, era cards. Purchasable. Right, more like free free Bruce Benedict nineteen eighty. Oh, yeah. oh nice. Cool. Donruss, old Braves, Bob <laughs> Horner, Dale Murphy. Oh. All right, thanks guys. See you guys. Cheerio.